What's up, dirt bags? Welcome to episode 174 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. Scott Sturman, Matt Deitch, what's going on? I was hoping you were going to go off I didn't and give like you the chance. Ad, like some advertisement or I'm something sorry. like that. Well, you didn't have to give me the chance. I thought maybe you were just like going to do one yourself. I didn't know. I, I should have. I should have. And, and I feel like uh, I feel like we should almost do this over. <laughs> what's up, dirt bags? Welcome to episode 174 of the Midwest Angler Podcast, brought to you by Freedom Brew Coffee in Larchwood, Iowa, the best damn coffee that you will ever have. And Where's on you? a hot summer day, if you need a little refresher, stop over there and get yourself a lemonade, because they look darn they tasty. Do. They do, and then they put their honey in that lemonade. Woo! Son of a gun, is that good? That is good. Nope, uh, Freedom Brew over there in Larchwood, Iowa. Yeah, now we've got we've got Sturman's Western Wear and Tack. We've got Freedom Brew. If I would have been thinking, I would have made up a really cool business, but I didn't. And uh, it's all right. Maybe next time. Yep. That's that's we right. need, maybe we need to start doing that every episode. Come up with a, a just come up with an imaginary business. And that's right. Start it off. We should. We should <laughs> just just really fun punchlines and. Uh, I did a little fishing this last weekend, Matt. Uh, did not you? not right. a whole lot. It was pretty rainy around here, as you know. Uh, I think rain kind of covered a lot of the. The upper Midwest here, a lot of kind of storms coming through and whatnot, but uh, uh, got out on the dock, and uh, um, especially Grady put an absolute beat down on that dock, but uh, sad part is it, it was our last weekend ever on that dock. Now it's time to make new memories on a different dock, right? And I I was always telling Grady that, ah, you know, the fishing's going to be better at this new place. The fishing's going to be better on this new place. You know, it's on Emerson Bay, right by Pocahontas Point there, uh, you know, and I... I thought, I think it, I think it'll be good, but I don't know. I bet you, I bet you Grady caught 250 fish over this weekend. Oh, and, wow. and I don't know if, uh, I don't know that, uh, that's going to be hard to top. Yeah. A little, always have a soft spot, spot in your heart for it. So yep, that's right. And I can always take my boat back over there and, uh, not fish, fish off that dock, but fish right, right off that dock. That. How was the yeah. weed growth over there? Uh, pretty, not, not too bad yet. Um, I did notice in between East and West Lake, uh, there in front of like the Okaboji store and whatnot, um, there's a lot of thick weed, uh, you know, kind of through there that, that aren't on the main boat channel. So, uh, um, you know, I, but I do think at a certain temperature, uh, once the water gets to a certain temperature, that weed dies out a lot. So, um, I don't know what that is, but, uh, uh, could probably tell me, but yeah, whatever he just, um, Aside from fishing, uh, I don't want to say I've been doing a little bit of hunting, but uh, up at my work, we have got a terrible, terrible lot of blackbirds, and so I've been uh, I've been going after them with the BB gun, and uh, I actually went online and got myself a Gamo air rifle. Oh boy! Yep. Watch out! Shoots uh, one seven seven pellets at like thirteen hundred feet per second. Uh, supposed to come in on the mail on tuesday come wednesday there ain't a blackbird in lyon county that that's safe because i'm i'm gonna put a hurt nothing on safe squirrels no nothing like that they say that you can shoot accurately out to like 50 yards oh, i like, can believe that with that i mean this is this is the next level of bb gun hunting so you're retired. this ain't no red rider i was gonna say you're retiring the pink red rider bb gun i'm Even just saying it's been straight. it's just it's it's been pretty dangerous in this neighborhood it's been Probably, oh, probably man. more things than uh, what the neighbors want to want to know about. Uh, gonna start blaming the Red the, Rider. I'm gonna start blaming all the stray cats, blaming it on the stray cats around here, saying, "Oh, that's what killed the bird." Nope, yep. it wasn't me. <laughs> Got old sniper Scott over here sitting in. The <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> we used to do that all the time growing up. We'd hide in the garage and we'd pick off squirrels or yep everything like that we got called in a few times but <laughs> ah, come on no i uh right right behind my desk at work i've got uh, uh a window a sliding window ah, so uh, I, I i popped out the screen and then i just kind of cracked that window and uh so you can start hearing the blackbirds because there's a whole line of uh of pine trees right behind yep. there and they love being in those pine trees so you can start hearing them when they're squawking on the closest tree and so when I hear it, I kind of turn around, take a look. Ah, yep, there it is. And I just kind of <laughs> slide her open a couple inches and put the barrel out and pow, get them. There you go. Ram Ramrod dropped the first one, but I've dropped two cents. All right. Ramrod, the kid who said that he's just, you know, oh, man, just 
blackbird graveyard in his backyard. He just nonstop <laughs> killing blackbirds. And there, there ain't a blackbird left in Rock Rapids that Ramrod hasn't dusted. And <laughs> yeah, then I proceeded to watch him miss about 50 in a row. So I know that was a lie, too, just like everything else the kid says. Must so. have been the gun. Yeah, yeah. It's bad babies. I'm sure it's bad babies. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, um, nothing else new with you. Not much. It's been pretty quiet since the last one. So That's all right. Uh, one, uh, one little bit of housekeeping that I do want to mention. Uh, I know on the last episode I had said on this episode we would be drawing for those Dakota Angler uh, gift cards and, and the other stuff. Um, plain and simple, I didn't get around to it. Uh, I got to get all the names together. Um, but I do think that that's something I'll probably end up doing, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, me and Matt will talk about how exactly we want to do that random name generator or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it'll be some sort of a random draw deal. And, uh, um, yeah, we'll put together a post on Facebook and, uh, uh, we'll track down the people that, uh, um, the people that win and uh we'll we'll mail that out to you so get it out to you yep uh look for that probably tuesday or wednesday night so um do 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 we've got uh we've got a really cool show today uh robbie rembrandt uh uh buddy of ours that we've met out at hooked on Hardwater, and uh you know all the other guys that we've ever had on that are from the hooked on Hardwater. uh they there's some pretty bulletproof interviews. Yeah, they are. I mean, you go back a couple of weeks ago with Lockwood, and and uh, that that was a that was a good one, and and of course Euler all the time, Bcav, uh, Dan Hogue. We've we've had a lot of those dudes on, and uh, um, tall tall Scott. Uh, I mean, they're they're always good. They they always are. They always have good stories. They're just a bunch of cool guys. Yep. So uh, yeah, on this one we've got Robbie Rembrandt. Uh, uh, one of the cabin five members and, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, cabin five, that's, that's the wild cabin, but Robbie, uh, Robbie fits right in there. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll get over to Robbie and we're here today with Robbie. Robbie, how you doing? Good guys. How are you doing pretty good up here? Doing good. Uh, Robbie, I think you've listened to the show before and you know, uh, we kind of like to get started uh, with some random questions. Well, us asking uh, what kind of wings you like isn't isn't too random anymore. But uh, um, I figured we got to ask: uh, uh, you traditional or boneless? Oh man, uh, I tell you what, I am traditional. However, raising uh, two boys that like to eat and do what dad does, the uh, boneless cleanup is growing on me. Yeah, <laughs> so. I believe that. I believe that. <laughs> there is something Let about the convenience of it. Yeah, letting them dig in with forks just helps me significantly in public. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, what what flavor are you going with? You know, I like dry rub. Dry oh, rub, right. okay. I'm, yeah. I'm for that. Is there any certain uh, dry rub that you like? You know, uh, we have a brewery here in Scotts Bluff. Um, it's called Flyover Brewery. I don't know exactly the dry rub seasoning they use, but uh, they're world class in my opinion. Really? Yeah. I think I think that you're starting to see that. Like we, our golf course here in town has some killer, amazing wings. I I think that people are really starting to appreciate what their local places, you know, establishments will put out for a wing. Absolutely, the little hole in the wall places yep. uh, will, yep. will knock your socks off for sure. Yeah. Now, do you do you douse them with blue cheese or ranch, or are you you straight up wings? I am blue cheese all the way. Golly. You hit that age mark. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I know. I, 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 it's an acquired taste, like you guys have said before. And I haven't acquired it, but, <laughs> but I, but I respect <laughs> the people that have. Buck. You're still a young buck. Maybe yeah. someday yeah. you will. I mean, I just like plain old cheese pizza. So, I mean, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't take shots at anybody. <laughs> I guess mine would be like, my random question would be like, if you're driving to the lake, and what song comes on that you're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a good day? You got a song that just kind of is like, you know, everything's going to be right in the world once you hear that one? Oh, man. Uh, probably the new song that I've been listening to a lot would be uh, Doing This by Luke Combs. Okay. okay. If I, if I, yeah, I think I know that song. Yep. 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 That, that's one that's hit home here recently for sure. Okay. All right. Um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more out there. Uh, what, what are you drinking in the morning? Are you an energy drink guy? Are you a coffee guy? Are you just plain water? What are you, what are you drinking? Plain black coffee. That's what I'm talking about. All day. Yep, with a Mountain Dew chaser <laughs> like Scott. <laughs> I've actually, uh, I've actually kind of taken uh, a new twist on uh, some of the Mountain Ops uh, energy. Oh, okay. That, I've kind of explored a little bit. I don't know a whole lot about them yet, but they seem to work. But black coffee's where it's at. Now, can you drink room temp black coffee? I could drink it cold if it's the only black coffee I got. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, there's some people that drink it like it's the surface temperature of the surface of the sun. Oh. I mean, if if you can go to Starbucks and get iced coffee, why can't I put ice in my black coffee? Well, right, you can do exactly. it. You can do it. It's your coffee. It's free country. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, my, my Aunt Marilyn, she's the type that'll like leave a cup of coffee on her desk until tomorrow. She'll just go throw it in the microwave and she'll start drinking oh, yeah. on it again. Oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. A mouth took a bath in that overnight, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine would be full of Millers this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned that you're from Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and and you know, Robbie, I think uh, I think you're on the edge uh, where you, you at the spot that you're at, uh, you still count as the Midwest angler, but uh, um, you're about ten minutes away from being the Western angler. Uh, I think you're farther west than Craig Oiler. You're the farthest west guest that uh, we'll probably ever have on. But uh, Scotts Bluff's like what, fifteen minutes from Wyoming? Yeah, a little bit farther. Just just over 20. Well, it depends on how fast you're driving, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it depends on how many farmers get between you and there. <laughs> and and you're relatively close to Colorado too, right? Yep. Yep, about uh 50 miles, 60 miles from Colorado. Okay. Oh, wow. yep. Yep. So, so you're kind of like us, you know, we're we're just a couple miles from Minnesota, just to, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 miles from South Dakota. You're kind of uh, stuck there that you're kind of forced to uh, buy some out-of-state fishing licenses. No, I'm not like you guys. You guys are from Wyoming. I'm from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You guys are from Iowa. Yeah. I'm you, from Nebraska. We're not alike. You said Wyoming. Oh, I said Wyoming. Oh, my God. Scott was a little confused over here. I mean, you know, Wyoming, That's all right. That's Iowa, all right. It's kind of all the same. We're stuck in the middle. Oh, uh, we, we knew. I mean, coming from a Nebraska guy, we we didn't expect much. I mean, it, states are tough. Wyoming <laughs> and Iowa are pretty close in the order of yeah. <laughs> the, the states. So, <laughs> no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying we're kind of stuck up here in a corner and you're stuck we're out in there. We're in a similar situation. Yeah. We are, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't have winning football teams. We do. I realize we are not alike. <laughs> out of state fishing permits or I'm just accustomed to it. Yeah. Yep. Now, now, obviously when, when I'm thinking about Western Nebraska, I'm not thinking about a ton of lakes. I mean, you're close enough to Colorado. I'm pertinent. You're thinking about fly fishing. Uh, is there a lot more lakes out there in western Nebraska than what we realize, or are you kind of in a cock situation where you uh, do a lot more uh, stock dams? T tell us a little bit about the lakes that you're fishing out there. Yeah, so a lot of our uh, lakes and reservoirs are driven primarily by irrigation waters. Okay. Um, so that's really where they got their start, and that's their purpose. Um, now, we do have the big uh, Lake McConaughey, uh, to our east, about 100 miles, uh, we have Glendo Reservoir that's up in uh, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, this sits along the North Platte River, just like McConaughey. So a lot of the the lakes that are near the Scottsbluff-Gearing area, uh, like Lake Minotaur, is primarily driven by irrigation waters. That's its purpose. It's a, it's a holding facility that, that gets fished. Um, so year to year, you know, this year we're super low on water. Some years the, the water's up in the trees and you're in the trees and some years you're far from the trees. So it really is just uh, primarily driven off the runoff from the mountains that we get um, in that snowpack. So, and then other than that, you know, we're about, uh, you know, 100 miles. Uh, we can get basically into the uh, sand hills, fish sand hills, lakes, uh, and then about 150 miles up into the Black Hills. So we don't have a lot of lakes real close. Um, I have a few, you know, within 50 miles of my house that I can fish, lots of farm ponds, stock ponds, things like that. But, you know, speaking from a location standpoint from, you know, 
awesome fishing in Wyoming, whether that's walleye fishing or fly fishing to Colorado, to Nebraska, to the Black Hills. I mean, uh, it's a, it's a good place to be in my opinion. Absolutely. Now, now obviously McConaughey, you know, that's some spectacular walleye fishing, but, uh, uh, the pan fishing opportunities out there are pretty freaking awesome too, correct? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. We, in this area, we have a lot of sand pits. Uh, so, you know, they're smaller ponds, private ponds near the rivers that are 25 to 30, even some of them 40 foot deep with really healthy panfish populations. And it, it's, it's awesome. It really is. Now, are a lot of the lakes out there, do they get stocked or are a lot of them uh, natural reproducing lakes? Yeah, no. So there's, as far as like walleye, you know, that's the big topic with Lake McConaughey. Um, even like Minotaur, uh, most of that is is stocked through the game and parks uh, through a management system. You know they put fry in each year um, or some young of the year fish. So that I, I don't think there's uh, very many of them, especially even at Lake McConaughey, that are naturally spawned fish. I I believe that it's a pretty small percentage. Okay. Now I, I've just. I didn't even have this written down, and and when we when you started talking there, I got to go down the first wormhole when we started talking about uh, quality panfish there. But uh, Robbie, you about broke the internet here a few years back uh, by posting a picture of yourself with two bluegills, and about everyone in the whole entire world said that it was photoshopped and that it was fake and whatnot, and you ended up. What what is that? A live photo that it like basically takes a little four second video, and uh, you ended up being able to to post that video and kind of shut everyone everyone up. Uh, t- tell us that story because that's a that's freaking spectacular. Yeah, I think the last uh, few comments was a bunch of the guys like Dan and Craig Euler, and and I think all the the last few posts was just a a dead crow on the plate and <laughs> there wasn't much <laughs> after that. Uh, but yeah, so a buddy and, and me, we were at a sand pit, uh, ice fishing. And about three, four weeks before that, I got a new iPhone and I didn't even know that it was taking live photos. Had no idea what a live photo was at that time. And we had caught some really nice bluegill. Unfortunately, the, the bluegill that we caught were in pretty deep water. So there was really no releasing them. Um, and we had multiple fish over 10 inches. We had one that was, was over 11 and not like pinching the tail. It was laying on the board over 11, uh, just amazing, amazing fish. And so we're getting ready to go. I have my buddy snap a couple photos later that night, threw it on the Facebook, like I normally do. And, uh, outdoor life had picked it up. Um, and they shared it and, you know, little did I know there's like 4 million professional photographers out there that, uh, <laughs> that can tell you that you are a lying sack of, you know what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I started messing around, uh, with the photo a little bit and I'm like, and actually there was one gal that, that made a bunch of comments about the lines on the fish, how it was like, like blurry. Uh, and how it was like cut out. And so I was actually sitting here going like, I, I need to see what she's seeing. And she's talking about all this photography stuff, pixelation. And I, I'm not smart enough figuring that out, but I had my finger on the photo in my album and that day it was snow and all of a sudden the snowflake started moving. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And figured out that it was a live photo and downloaded an app to, to export the live photo into a video format. And, uh, the, the rest was history put it on there and i mean it it, it was pretty quiet so <laughs> and and you Normally, took the high road the whole entire time i mean you you commented back but you took the high road but there was that one lady that was just like like you said she was she was a professional photographer she she knew from looking at that picture that it had been photoshopped and god dang it when you dropped that that live photo on there it was just like Oh, that that was it. It was crickets. <laughs> it was spectacular. Like I kind of want to take her husband fishing because I feel like he probably needs to get away a little bit. <laughs> That's just my opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. She she uh she was very 
very opinionated and and stuck that that was that that was photoshopped and yeah that i mean hundreds and hundreds of comments and likes and shares and uh, it it kind of went quiet that i did take the high road but every year kind of on that anniversary i always just put a little comment in there like chirp or crickets or hello <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. No, like, where'd everybody go yeah yeah where, where's everybody at so yeah, yep. I, I mean, it, it was good. It, it was a great day of fishing for sure, and and uh, you know th- those fish are great. Awesome. I've kind of gotten to the point now where like every picture I put up there, <laughs> people question if it's real or not because <laughs> I've messed around with so many dang Photoshop stuff now. So yeah, you've lost your credibility <laughs> a long time ago. The best part about that whole thing is Euler uh, photo cropped me holding Nemo and Dory. <laughs> and that photo has circulated around, I think, if not, you know, twice as, as much on social media as the, uh, as the bluegill has. So that's awesome. <laughs> it's good stuff. That's awesome. Now, Robbie, uh, a- anyone who's friends with you on Facebook, uh, me and Matt included, uh, if, if there's one thing that, that we take away from your Facebook posts, uh, it's it's how important it is to take your kids out hunting and fishing with you. I mean, we're talking about backpacking in on elk hunts, you know, catching big walleyes. I, you, you've got your kids with you all the time. And uh, is that something that that's important to you because you grew up fishing or, or I mean, you just love fishing with your kids? Yeah. You know, I, I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, I think taking kids fishing is important to a lot of people, but very few people take their kids fishing as often as what you do. Yeah, I, you know, I I'll be the first to tell you that that I, I don't necessarily remember, and I don't I don't think it probably ever happened. Like my father uh, taking me when I was five, yep, or six, maybe you know, eight, nine, 10 ish. Uh, I know there's a lot of old photos floating around where my brother shot a deer, you know, and there I am in my, you know, brother's hand me downs and orange vest hanging to my knees or whatever. And, you know, I, um, I guess my biggest thing with getting my kids outside is the world's a pretty big place and the day of the bicycle gangs are gone and kids have to discover the world. And, you know, I mean, with, with my job being a first responder, that's, that's just what I know. And so there's a lot of, of just, you know, heartache that you see in, in these kids that don't get to experience life in general. I mean, and when I say life, I mean, being able to go outside and looking and going, oh, what is that? Oh, that's a ladybug. That's a worm. Yep. I, I mean, they're, they're stuck in a, in a room playing video games or or maybe they can't even go outside you know their neighborhood that they live in is not safe enough for them to even be outside without an adult and really just you know i guess my biggest thing growing up as a kid is is that i remember most is my granddad owned a bait shop and i grew up in shatter nebraska and that's that's where he had his bait shop and you know he he fished for every species there was i mean he he just wanted to fish and and kind of just living through that legacy of it doesn't matter what you're doing, what you're catching, um, involve people. And, you know, day in and day out in the bait shop, he ran it out of his garage, you know, people to come in and visit with him. And I mean, he was a local celebrity and he was a local celebrity because he was getting people outside. Yep. And you just don't see that concept, you know, anymore. It, it's just, it, it's a really sad state that we're in. Um, I don't know how we fix it, but I knew that as soon as I had um, kids that I was going to have them outdoors. I was going to have them doing stuff. If they like it, great. If they don't like it, okay, I'll do what I can. Um, But I'm a firm believer that when somebody says, you know, my 16-year-old or my 18-year-old, he doesn't like to go fish or my my 10-year-old doesn't want to, you know, you got to get them out there. You got to get them out there young. And I always think of it as like what's going to capture those kids' attention. And right now, as you guys know, it's electronics. Well, 10 years ago at the age of 12, you were introduced into electronics. And now in 2022, you're introduced into electronics when you're a kindergartner. Yep. So I 
felt like I either got to get my kids outside and discovering the world and seeing what's out there or sooner or later, it's going to come together and electronics are going to hit them, whether it's at a friend's house or whether it's at my house. And that's going to, that's going to basically dissolve the time that they have with me. Yeah. yeah that's, no, that's... I mean, it definitely is true. I mean, it is an electronic world and the younger you can get them out there and having positive experiences so that they wanted, you know, they'd rather put the tablet down or something like that and go outside and do something. It's very important. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's, it's everything. And I was just actually visiting with a friend this weekend about this is it, it's not just like one season to another. I mean, it, it is, it is stacked up. Like when, when we are done boat fishing, we are hunting and then we are ice fishing and ice fishing to turkey hunting, to shed hunting, to, uh, you know, back to summer and, and just this, this revolving door of, of always having something to do. And now my eight-year-old, you can tell that he registers a lot of this stuff with the seasons and the months and the time, because in February, when he's getting kind of sick of ice fishing, uh, he's watching turkey hunting at night. <laughs> you know? That's what I'm talking and, about. <laughs> yep. And when he's done watching turkey hunting, he's now watching open water fishing. And then it's bear hunting or it's elk hunting or deer hunting or fall, you know, and, and it's just, he's constantly, his years go by and, and, and he is, he's looking forward to that next season. And, and that's something that kids don't have. They don't have anything to look forward to, you no. know, it might be a new game coming out, but when it's here, then what, you know, so really just, just idolizing that concept of getting kids outdoors, getting them active and, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to say it. You get kids outdoors and they learn this stuff. They, they are, you know, a blessing to society because then they just pass it on. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think it is? You know, like me, me and my brother, I mean, we grew up and, and we have the video games. I mean, uh, my brother was one of the first guys around to get a PlayStation. Uh, he won it at a, at a box store grand opening. And, and we had a Nintendo 64, and we played it a little bit, but it just, I, I don't know, we would rather be outside shooting BB guns or being down at the river fishing. And I, I just, I don't get what it is, what what draws some kids to to be that way. And, you know, I mean, the kids that have every single gaming console, some of them, you can't get them off of it, and some of them, it just, yeah, it is what it is, and, and they'd rather be outdoors. But it might very well be like you are talking, Robbie, if, if you get them involved at four or five, you know, that's, that's just kind of what they grow up uh, being important to them. Yeah. 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 I, and, uh, you know, my, my eight year old, when he was five, him and I did a archery spot and stock on a white tailed doe that was laying down. I shot her with my bow. He was by my side and he still talks about that to this day. But I ask him other things that happened when he was four or five, and he don't remember. Really? But well, he I... remembers that being out there and, and being active with it. And, and you know, it, it. the other thing is, you know, you guys growing up with video games, your parents, um, your role models were outside. And, and now that the electronics has kind of even taken over parents. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's right. way easier yep. That's very to true. sit on the couch and not have to get Johnny to go out and tie flies and go learn how to fly fish yeah instead of taking your kid fishing you're playing call of duty with your kid you know and and that's acceptable yeah it's a culture thing you know from the parents down well and i think you said it there too is like having that positive experience too when they're younger uh sometimes a lot of parents you know so you do a spot or spot and stock on a doe and your kid remembers that for life you know sometimes us adults get a little bit too egotistical out there and we're just like, Oh, I ain't going to do that. I mean, you were doing that for your kid, for your kid to see that and stuff. And that's something that's going to stick with him forever. I mean, I can remember my dad out bow hunting and him shooting one and he would come get us so that we could go help with the bull, the blood trail. And I mean, that still sticks with me to this day going out there and finding this big doe in this bean field. And I, I mean, it's like, I can see the blood trail. Like when I close my eyes, sometimes when I tell the story and it's just, it's those things that you remember. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is it, absolutely. And I mean, I remember getting my first cell phone when I was like 16, 17, 18, maybe. And now kids are getting cell phones at eight. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's 
it's crazy. Right. And our first cell phones had snake on them. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, now just think about what they can all get on those cell phones. Yeah. Now, do you, uh, w- one thing that I wanted to ask is, you know, you're taking out an eight year old and, and, you know, even younger, uh, do you do that differently than what you would, uh, if it, if it was just you by yourself, do you target fish that, uh, um, maybe are a little bit easier knowing that, uh, especially when you were starting off bringing your kids, did you take them out bluegill fishing instead of taking them out walleye fishing because you knew the chance of success was a little bit higher? Uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, when you take a, a new person fishing, those first couple times got to be successful because if they go three times and they're not catching any fish, you might've lost them there. Uh, do you do anything different like that, Robbie? Yeah, absolutely. It, you, you know, those first few trips, they did not, not only successful to the child, but astonishing to them. Yep. Like, like you have to, you have to capture that kid's attention. Um, an example of this, like if we were getting ready to transport a, a child that was deathly ill or injured near Christmas, right? Super sad thing, but. It, it's one thing to say, yeah, we're going to go on a helicopter ride to another hospital, but it's another thing to say we're going to go on a helicopter ride and look for Santa Claus. Yeah. Nice. Yep. yep. And oh, yeah, that's a great point. That is the thing with getting kids in the outdoors is when you pull up to a pond and you're like, I had a fish on one time that was so big, it pulled the pull out of my hand and broke my <laughs> I mean, yep. Like, yep. Oh, yeah. You have to capture their attention and make it absolutely astonishing. And it, and even if they only fish for five minutes, like walk them down on the shore and be like, "Look at there's a there's a crawdad, you know, catch him." Uh, here's your twenty fifth bag of fruit snacks for the day. You, know, <laughs> I mean, you have to make it an adventure, and that's the thing with adults is as we as, as that lifespan development, you know moves forward and as we age we lose the ability to kind of pretend and have that that optimistic outlook like kids do so adults you know we we have a hard time pretending but you really have to get down on the kids level and 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 say yeah we're gonna catch these fish and this is what we're gonna do we're gonna turn them loose and and we're gonna watch them swim off and we're gonna we're going to turn two fish loose at the same time and see which one wins. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to bring it down to them. And and when we're boat fishing, like, like I have a, a son that'll be four in July. When we go out, my family knows that our first goal is to get a legal fish to put in the live wall. Yeah. Whether that's a catfish or a carp, if I put one fish in the live wall, he is stuck in the live wall all day long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and all that matters. Yeah. It, it, the, the, world, the world has now stopped for him. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. And now we can fish. Now yep. we can fish and have fun, and he can real fish in. But, I, I mean, it, it truly is just having a fish there, and they see it, and they touch it, and, you know, and, and you, you have to make it fun for them. Um, it, you know, you have to teach them the safety concepts, you know, just keeping bait alive. Like, don't put the worms in the sun. This is what happens, you know. Yep. Don't, don't keep the minnows out of the water. And, and, and that's that's the thing that you have to realize. And, and they're watching everything you do on that boat or on the shore. Yep. Now, Robbie, you mentioned it a little bit ago, but uh, you are a first responder out there in western Nebraska. And, and, and not just in Scottsbluff. You kind of travel around, don't you? Yeah. So I um, – I started as a, as a first responder, as a cadet firefighter, volunteer firefighter when I was 14 and tradition, you know, just kind of traditionally went through the, the ranks of, of being a volunteer and then, and then getting a paid job and becoming a paramedic. And, um, the last 10 years I just spent as a flight paramedic and, and working ground ambulances and, and, and doing some fire stuff. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's, that's what I do. So this stuff means a whole lot more to me. You know, the, the simplicity of life is just, it, it's different. Especially where you're at out there. I mean, I, I realize, uh, you know, that there's a lot of privacy and whatnot that goes into your job, but, uh, I mean, you, you see some, some very terrible things and, and, uh, 
you know, I think you probably realize how precious life is and, and how quickly it can be taken away. And, and I don't know, I, I, I feel like that might be one of the reasons that you do. I, I feel like you live life to the fullest, you know, with, with you and your family. And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know, is that probably why just because you've, you've seen the things that you've seen? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there is no doubt about it whatsoever. Um, there, there, the, the world is a tough place. And fortunately, you know, 95% of the population doesn't necessarily see the tough place that, that we talk about or, or that you hear on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when, when people think about just like tough calls that, you know, it, it's, it's not the blood and guts, right? When somebody asks you like, Oh, what's the worst thing you've ever seen? It's not the blood and guts. I mean, when you think about people losing their life, you know, death is one thing, but a 16 year old driver that drank for the first time and rolled his vehicle and killed his buddy and now lives with that the rest of his life. I mean, to me, that life's ruined too. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, there's, there's so many different things. So getting my kids involved in the outdoors, you know, maybe it will be that one Friday night where they're like, no, I'm going camping with dad or I'm going to be at a tournament with dad. And they don't have the opportunity to be in that vehicle. Yep. No, I, I, I 100%, uh, I don't know if, well, and, and the way you catch fish, if I was your kid, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather go fishing with dad too. Yeah. I don't get to reel in much anymore. He's getting quicker than me to the rods. So well, that's a good so, thing. Yep. That's a good thing. <laughs> He, he gives it to me if it's a bass. That's about it. Yeah, because he wants you to remember what it feels like to fight a fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the, another one of them dead walleyes again, Dad. It's not moving. <laughs> <laughs> now, Robbie, uh, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about uh, taking kids fishing and whatnot, but uh, actually the way that, that Matt and I got to meet you was through Hooked on Hard Water and uh, – um, you know, t- tell us a little bit about what that program means to you. I know, I mean, heck, two years ago, you got a freaking helicopter out there on the ice. How freaking cool was that? Yeah, you know, I the Hooker Hard Water event, um, I mean, I, I think it means the same to me that it means to a lot of the other pros. But like we talked about, just some, some of the – my you know, I guess career experiences that it, it, it changes things a little bit for me. Cause you know, I, I talk to the boys that I have and, and, you know, and, and visit with them and, and try to be a friend for a day. If that, if that makes sense. And, oh, yeah. and, and the tough thing uh, for me for hooked on hard water is the first few years uh, I didn't, I didn't really have the same kids and I had one or two and they were relatively younger and, they, you know, they were the age of, of my boys, but it, it's so hard to build that and, and, and to keep them uh, entertained when all their friends are out, you know, playing on the ice or, or yep. you know, throwing snowballs. So about the last four to five years of Hooked on Hard Water, the last uh, two, I've had the same boy. And that's really kind of given me a whole nother perspective. And... Uh, just being able to see him again and spend time with him uh, is is super cool. And and one of the very first boys that I had actually started his own like fishing YouTube channel. Really <laughs> when cool. He, when he was in high school, yeah. And, and uh, he he didn't post a lot of videos. Um, they were entertaining, of course. I mean, if you can imagine a, a fifteen or sixteen year old kid with a with a camera. <laughs> I, I think one of them they chopped a hole in one of the little lakes there in Rapid City with an axe. Uh, and they, they had caught a fish, but the, the hole that they actually started with was like three foot diameter. By the time they got through the ice, it was like a pinhole. <laughs> they got a dig and a wax worm through there, but they couldn't land the fish, you know? So his buddy has this pickaxe or this, this ax and he's trying to <laughs> cut a hole and, you know, but just seeing that, you know, I just asked myself, like, did I have a part in that? Did I have a part in him want to get off the couch and go do that? Yep. No, oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Now, in in the last in the last couple of years, Robbie, you've donated uh, a fishing trip uh, to the Hooked on Hardwater Banquet Auction, um, and it's been a Lake McConaughey uh, guided fishing trip. Uh, is is guiding on on McConaughey or guiding at all something you do a lot of? Yeah, you know it, it's kind of year to year. 
um, it seems like this year there's been a, a lot of interest and, and just kind of, uh, you know, a lot more contacts being made on the guiding front. I, I'll, I'll never do guiding full time. Um, there's a possibility that I could, but, but I like taking care of people. Yep. So guiding really is just an opportunity for me to get people out to experience it. And, you know, I know that, that I have friends that guide and, and there's people that are much better guides than I am, but you know, they, they complain when they have to like put a worm on a hook or, or a minnow or, you know, it, it I don't care. I, I don't care who comes. I don't care what their experience level is. I don't care if they take a, a you know, a trolling rod and try to cast it and, and back spool the reel. I don't care about any of that. I, I just want them to experience it, to be out there, catch a fish, whether it's a 30 inch walleye or a 12 inch walleye. Um, I, I, I want them to be there and, and just experience it and not make them uncomfortable, you know? And, and that's sometimes I think what happens is, you know, the, the guides have their way and they go out and they catch fish and they do it day in and day out. And they're probably far better than I ever will be. Um, but I, I will take the stragglers, you know, I will gladly welcome them on my boat. Um, and, and let them fish. You know, if, if I have a six year old kid that steps on a rod in my boat and breaks an island off of it, but he caught his first fish that day, it it's, it's a win in my book. Like, exactly. I want them outside and unfortunately you know i have to charge i you know i mean obviously gas prices and the price of everything nowadays super is just cheap up. super yeah. cheap so yeah you know and so um you have to you have to do it you have to charge and, and you get people out there and 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 experience it and, and just see it so the guiding thing isn't full-time i definitely do it do it um fairly often uh, a few times a month throughout the summer and then um you know the the big guide trip that I normally give away at Hooked on Hard Water is a is a Lake McConaughey night trip along the dam in the spring, which is is a very interesting place to fish in the spring. It's busy. It's a lot of people will refer to it as bumper boats. I don't like to do um, that trip often, but I know that it raises a lot of questions and and it's attractive for folks. So giving it away for the Hooked on Hard Water event, it seems to bring really good money back to the club for boys, and it's worth it, in my opinion. Yep. Now, so, so like, what makes it so, like, bumper boatish, or sometimes I've heard it referred to as combat fishing? I mean, it gets pretty crazy, doesn't it? Yep, yep. It's uh, not uncommon to be, you know, to catch those big fish. You know, it's night. There's a directional trolling path to the north along the dam. And basically, it's just a big counterclockwise pool of boats. And you could be 30 feet from another boat, and they yell snag, and they throw it in reverse, and then you're throwing it in reverse, <laughs> and 10 boats in front of you is throwing it in reverse. And meanwhile, you have people shoulder to shoulder on the shore, and they're pitching in front of your boat. They're pitching behind your boat. Um, it is It is crazy. How how often do the people on the shore get snagged with the people in the boat? I have snagged. I have I have had a few people snag my lines. I think I think it's happened three times to me. Have you ever Have you ever seen people like really get heated? Oh yes, yeah. There, it's not uncommon for the uh, the sheriff's department, the game and parks. You know, it's kind of a troubled area for them. You'll see a lot of officers there and presence when it really gets hot and heavy. Really. Huh. Now, that that the technique that you're you you said you're trolling. What are you What are you exactly doing? So basically, uh, what it is 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 you're you're pulling crankbaits uh, relatively fast along the rocks, and there's no planer boards, there's no lead core, no nothing. There's so many snags and rocks and large pieces of of you know junk along the dam that. The rods, you know, normally in your hand, uh, one hand on the steering wheel. Normally, we're trolling fast enough that, you know, you could use your electric, but if you got a little bit shallow, it's going to be a disaster. But you're normally about 10 feet off the rocks, um, trolling anywhere from 2 to 2.8 miles an hour. 
and you just have a rod in your hand with the crankbait on it and as long as it's ticking the rocks you're gonna get a bite and then you know wham it's heavy and and it's a fish and normally it's a good one what's the biggest fish you ever caught going through there uh 29 and three quarter nice yep and it's um i didn't get a weight on it but we've had plenty of of fish that uh are in the 28 to 29 range that are pushing 12 13 pounds yeah i was gonna say every picture i see of a fish out there it seems like they're just as round as they are long sometimes yep yep i had one one time we had netted it was about a 27 inch fish and i picked it up out of the net and uh i turned to give it to my buddy he caught it i had netted it and it puked owl life all over the dash (laughs) of my boat i mean I basically went to the car wash and uh, was was, you know, <laughs> using a power washer on my Lowrance <laughs> and electronics to try to get the smell off of them. Because you go across the lake to a tournament, you know, three weeks after that, and it was just dead fish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go after the wipers on McConaughey? I have uh, never really intentionally targeted them, uh, but I've caught them trolling and, and fishing for walleye. Yep. Do, so so is your fishing on McConaughey uh, relatively early in the year or do you uh, cuz I was out there one time in September when they were doing the slabbing and yep. uh, um, do you do you go out there and do much of the slabbing or are you more pulling yep. the spinners and pulling cranks Nope I really like the slabbing um, that that's something about me is I really don't have like a, a technique that I only do I I, I do what is going to catch the fish or that I feel is going to catch the fish so slabbing or pitching jigs and live bait or pulling cranks plastics whatever it is um, I'm game for it but the slabbing is is very interesting to me and uh, and and it's fun it's definitely a good bite and the fall is good on McConaughey nice, nice. now. Uh... Robbie, when I when I was setting up this interview with you, uh, I kind of asked you if you had any wild stories, and uh, you said you did. Um, let Let's start off with the story you talked about uh, um, with uh, pulling a walleye through an ice hole. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was one evening we were fishing on a, a little reservoir in Wyoming uh, called Hawk Springs, and and relatively small. I think it's only about 500 acres and I was fishing with a couple friends and one of my friends dad and uh we were sitting close I was visiting with his dad and we were jigging and then I had a arctic warrior uh set up about 10 feet from me and the flag kept going up and I'd go over there and the line would be off to the side of the hole you knew that a fish carried it off and I'd kind of feel it for weight or whatever nothing would be there and then I'd lower it back down and I'd set it all up again and I'd walk over and I'd sit down and just drop my line and the flag would go up again and I did this like four times and uh, my buddy's dad he by this point in time he's making fun of me you know and so I I go over there and kind of feel weight this time and I I set the hook and of course I don't have the fish and so I set it, I, I just set the rod down and I walked over and grabbed my Vexlar, went over and dropped it in the hole. And sure enough, there's my jig and there's a fish sitting there. So I'm jigging it in front of him, right? And he comes up and I'm thinking he's going to eat it. He doesn't. And he comes up farther and he comes up like four foot off the bottom. And we're in probably 15 or 16 foot of water. And I just started reeling this, this jig in minnow up. And the fish followed me like 10 feet off the bottom. And then sooner or later, I think the cone angle of the Vexlar, you couldn't see it anymore. And I just kept reeling it slow, and I got it right to the bottom of the ice. And this walleye is just sitting there looking at it. <laughs> and, and I told my my buddy's dad, I said, this walleye is just sitting here looking looking at it. And, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, no, he's right here. I can see him. And he walked over there, and you know, we're on like probably 9 to 10 inches of ice. And I lift that jig up into the bottom of that hole and I was wearing neoprene gloves and that fish stuck his head up in the bottom of the ice hole, looking at that jig. And I knew he couldn't turn around. And I reached down and grabbed him by the head and pulled him out of the hole. And I think my buddy's dad thought there was like some witchcraft or something going on. <laughs> I would have he too. looked at me and he turned white and I looked at, you know, the fish and thought, Holy cow, that just happened. <laughs> you know, and he shook his head and started yelling, everybody come over there and, 
if you wouldn't have been there, there wouldn't have been one soul that would have believed it. Isn't that uh, the truth? Isn't that the I'm truth? I'm telling you what, I was like, I like, I don't even know. I feel like I should just turn it loose because I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> like that was not a legal catch. You know? yep. but it's uh, it, it was crazy. Probably will never happen again. You know, a, a species like walleye. You know, maybe it happened with a with a panfish or something like that. But well, walleyes aren't very smart came up well, yeah he's puking up bass all over the place i threw him back down the hole since he's one of those yeah <laughs> touche that was yeah, good that was good <laughs> yeah like you said though thankfully there was people around usually those type of things happen when like nobody's around and you're just like nobody will ever believe me but i mean thankfully there was some people around to see that happen yeah he told me that he wasn't gonna agree with me because he, he said this is so crazy people are just gonna think i'm as crazy as you are and he's like i'm telling people it didn't happen you know but no it, it did and it, it was uh it was funny it was about 20 minutes before we had to pick up and head home and so we talked about it the whole way back and and yeah it, it was just a cool experience nice now, uh, the other story that you mentioned uh, um, was the fact that uh, the combat fishing on the dam at Lake McConaughey isn't the only combat fishing you do. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, um, a time where maybe you got into a, a wrestling match with a guy out on the ice. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a friendly wrestling match. Um, it didn't end friendly. Oh, I mean, he lived. <laughs> Are you still friends with him? I am. Oh, okay. I actually am. And was I'm, it I'm now? Sure. Was it was it actual wrestling or was it leg wrestling? Because I've seen you go to town on some leg wrestling, and you're pretty good at that. So, no, this was this was uh, actual wrestling. All right. And uh, it, it it was I, I don't know I, I guess it it was one of those things that happened pretty quick, and we were all like, oh shit, <laughs> this isn't good. <laughs> right. Uh, we once again uh early evening sun's going down we were there was five six of us buddies that were fishing a couple of them their their dads are out there we were catching some walleye and some perch and crappie and uh there kind of started to be a kind of a, just a concentrated pool of perch within about a 10 foot area so the three of us that were still there we kind of come together and drilled some holes and we're just standing there talking and and catching a few fish and starting to kind of pick up and wind down for the night and uh one of my buddies, he, he, uh, was giving me some crap. So he grabbed me and threw me down in the snow on the ice and did it about three times. And so I just let him do it a couple of times. And then I thought, well, he's done it three times. I'm going to take him by surprise this time. I'm going to grab him by the, by the bibs. I'm going to throw him down. And I grabbed him by the bibs and threw him down and I landed on top of him. And we were face to face about four inches from each other. And he was very pale. <laughs> and he immediately said you just broke my leg and i said no there's no way there's no way we we i broke your leg and so he goes i i'm pretty sure you broke my leg well the kicker of this whole story is we're all in the medical field we're all first responders and uh, our initial uh training really didn't kick in we we got him up and told him to take a step and he took a step and we weren't ready so he face planted into the snow and it was like a perfect snow angel upside down nose face everything uh, arms out and uh that was at the point that i knew it was bad <laughs> so we started cleaning out a, a a shack to to put him on to to haul him haul him to the truck and he goes no nah, you, you don't you don't need to you don't need to haul me i'm i'm good and he took off crawling and I'll never forget my, my other buddy and I, we looked at him, the, the guy's leg that, that I broke, his name is DJ. And uh, we looked over at DJ and he was crawling away from the holes and his boot was flipped around the wrong direction. <laughs> oh my God. So we're talking a good break. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so very game, the nickname Nightcrawler. <laughs> And, uh, so we pick stuff up, right. And, 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 you know, we're, we're falling them over the truck and of course you're ice fishing, right? The bottom half of your beds are covered in ice and I wasn't going to take his boot off out there. And so, you know, we do the drive of shame to the ER where we know everybody yeah. <laughs> and we get to the ER and 
and uh, the triage nurse comes in and she's like, oh, what do we have going on here? And I said, don't check him in yet. I said, let me take his boot off. If it looks bad, check him into the ER. If it's not bad, I'm just I'm just taking him home. She says, okay. So I unzip his bibs and I pull his boot off and his leg kind of twists around and you hear the crepitus of the bones. And I stood oh. up and I said, check him in. <laughs> I don't know what else to do at this point, but it's bad. So. He, uh, he ended up uh, spending quite a few hours in the OR and uh, some pins and a couple rods. Had a broken tib fib and ankle. Wow. It was, it, was, uh, it, it, it was very stressful for me. I was, I was worried about him. But it's a, it's a wonderful laughing matter now. So was it just the way that you fell on him? Or did like his leg drop into an ice hole? And then, and then how, how did that happen? Nope, I grabbed him by the uh, bibs and I stuck my leg out behind his legs to trip him, and I'm pretty sure that uh, that's what did it. So, golly, remind me never to talk crap to you if never turn your on never, hard one. I was say, never turn your back on him. Yeah. He is I'll sweep the leg over here. I just took him by surprise. <laughs> sweep, sweep the, the leg, leg. <laughs> old Cobra Kai over you got here. A problem with that? <laughs> Cobra Kai Rembrandt over here. Just yeah, it, uh, it, uh, it was it was the. The worst part about this whole thing, right, is, is I get back to my, my house at like 11 o'clock at night from the ER. He's still there. He's he's admitted in the ER and going to have surgery. And his truck was parked at my house because he drove to my house right out to the lake. And so I wanted to make sure his truck was locked. So I went to his truck to make sure it was locked. And uh, I didn't tell him this for like three years, but he had a, he had a uh, case of beer in, in his passenger seat of his pickup. So not only did I break his leg, I was... <laughs> stressed out enough i drank his you beer drink in my his... garage that night. that's what i'm talking about right. <laughs> checkmate <laughs> sorry buddy i'll replace that i was so. gonna say hopefully you replaced it at some point the worst part was probably trying to explain it to your spouses of what happened yeah so uh i was married at the time he wasn't so oh, it was right. a little bit um so that's uh, not so was, bad then yeah it was a little bit uh it was a little bit interesting with my wife, but she's understanding. She shook her head and <laughs> yeah. But hey, I got a free case of beer out of it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a, win -win. Fun, yeah. it's a win-win situation. Yeah. Oh man. I tell you what I, yeah. So Robbie, we, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we, we mentioned it earlier, but, uh, uh, we met you through hooked on hard water and, and, I, I'd, I'd go out on a limb and say that you kind of roll with the roughest crew out there at a hooked on hard water. Uh, um, I feel like we, we, we really need to kind of wrap up this interview. Uh, uh, maybe taking a shot, a couple shots at a, a few of those guys. Uh, you got any of them that you want to call out? Oh man. Yeah. You know, I, um, I mean, all of them, <laughs> the, the, the whole association of cabin five is, is, is a rough crowd. Unfortunately, I think that I'm the I'm the person to blame for the whole cabin five thing. So w what happened with the whole cabin five thing is I decided one night that we were gonna that we were gonna have some steaks and maybe drink it drink you know a glass of whiskey at cabin five and then all the other cabins that happened to have heathens they wanted to get rid of the next year we were all in cabin five. So I blame that one on Euler, but uh, you know Andy down in Texas we. Yeah, you know, when when he moved to New York, we thought, nah, he won't be back. And then he moved to Texas, oh, he won't be back. And shoot, he shows up at my doorstep three days before hooked on hard water and wants to ride with me to South Dakota. And the greatest part of that uh, that uh, whole thing is I was able to send all the custom rods over the t years that he's built me back to Texas for him to fix. So he he currently has all my ice fishing rods that, that he's built and he's putting eyelets on them and fixing the handles and everything else. So hopefully, you know, sooner or later he'll get those back to me. So he is good for something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's a lot cooler that he lives in Texas instead of New York. now. <laughs> That's though. true. Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's old Andy. I, I took a deer hunt one time. He had an eight yard shot on a mule deer and he shot it in the neck. <laughs> <laughs> Eight yards. Just shot it in the neck. <laughs> the the best part about this is we're crawling up on this deer, and when we're at like 15 yards, we couldn't see where he was at, and my phone just happened to randomly start playing ACDC Thunderstruck, <laughs> <laughs> like loud. He says, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, it's not me. So I get my phone out, and I shut it off, and 
And I, I think he ended up, uh, he got pretty bad cellulitis in his elbows and his knees from crawling through the cactus and everything else. So he's one of those East River guys. He, he wasn't really used to that. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so good stuff. They're 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 a good group. Have you ever have you ever lost uh, in Indian reg a little, little Indian leg wrestling to any of them? You know, I don't think any of them have ever Indian leg wrestled me. Just Ramrod? Ramrod, I think that's it. Was the only one that would step up. The I, th- I thought that you had cleared house on everyone else, so so that's how you ended up against Ramrod. Well, there could have been a time that I don't recall. <laughs> don't just don't take on Mockingtoon because he'll probably wrap he could wrap his leg around it like three or four times. Those long uh, things. Yeah, he he gets on his back. He'll kick the ceiling fan <laughs> <and> Indian leg <laughs> wrestle. Yeah, no kidding. He kicked my teeth out with his heel. Yeah, would be bad. He'd flip me over so hard I'd hit his belt buckle and probably be drooling on myself. Oh man, that's good stuff. All right, Robbie. Uh, well, we we definitely uh, appreciate you joining us. Um, that was uh, that was an awesome interview, and uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we get to have you on again sometime. Heck yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, asking me, and uh, anytime. So awesome. Right, thanks, man. You bet. See you, dude. Yeah. Have a good one. There he goes. That was our buddy Robbie Rembrandt from Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Out there in Nebraska, not Wyoming. That's right. That's <laughs> right. But uh, no, I think you know that that Western Nebraska. That's a that's a whole different culture out there. That I mean, the, he's yeah. farther west than the Coxes by a long way. Oh ways. yeah, yeah. It's it was interesting to hear like all the different lakes that you know the fishing opportunities that are out there. Like you said, yep. you know. We don't really think that there's a lot out there, but uh, what did he say that one lake was called? Minotaire. Minotaire. Man, I was. They should just say Minotaur. You know, like that mythical creature that's like half bull, half man. The Minotaur. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I ever seen the movie? Um, what's that? Role models. Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, all right. So, are you into that Greek Greek god? No, stuff? that's just the only yeah. thing I know it from is that movie. A Minotaur. Yes, I don't know what kind of extra. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting pretty excited to go to the Renaissance Festival here pretty soon. I got my outfit all picked out and heading I was, up. I was always wondering what that tattoo was that stuck halfway out of your belt line. And <laughs> that's yep, that's the Minotaur. Yep. You know, different strokes for different folks. So, <laughs> all right, to uh, to do, Matt. Do you got a good news story? Um, I. You know what? I'm gonna go with recent the this last weekend's Bassmaster Elite Series. Yep, Brandon Lester. Brandon Lester. Yep, he's finished running up a whole bunch of times. I've always been a huge Brandon Lester fan. He won an Open, but he's never, never won, won an won Elite a, Series Elite event. Series yep. event, and yep. he finally got the blue trophy. Uh, pretty awesome to see. You know, absolutely put the time in, stuck with it. You know, it just goes to prove, like, a lot of people get discouraged. I mean, it can be local tournament fishing, whatever. It could be just going out fishing just normally, and you kind of get discouraged, and it's easy to maybe just uh, throw in the towel and go to a different avenue, but he's always kind of stuck his nose to the grindstone. He's not a big, loud, flashy guy nope. or anything like that. He's nope. pretty even keel. I mean, he's not a grumpy person, nothing like that, just a genuine person, and pretty awesome to see him get that first one so i guess that would be mine yep i i 100 agree uh he he's always a top finisher he's 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 consistent up at the top but uh definitely put in his time and, yeah. and deserves to finally uh hoist one of them blue trophies uh you know i I'll, I'll go out there this wasn't exactly my good news story but i think i will call it a good news story uh from one brandon to another brandon brandon polinick uh i picked him on fantasy without really thinking and uh, um, his wife was due like six days ago with yeah. her first child. And, uh, you know, I was even going to write to him on Facebook. You know, I, I think sometimes like us guys, you know, it's like, oh, you know, got to go fishing, you know, whatever. Like, dude, there ain't a fishing there ain't a fishing tournament in the world worth missing the, the birth of right. your child. And and uh, lucky for him, uh, uh, you know, I'd. He he got to, he got to see the whole entire tournament through, and I think yeah. he ended up finishing top top ten for sure. Yeah, I know seven 10. or Something fourth like or I don't know somewhere you know somewhere around fifth. But uh, uh, hats off to him and and uh, hell for all we know he's got a kid already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. Hopefully hopefully he was able to make it back and uh, um, whatever. But uh, um, otherwise, uh, yeah, I guess I really don't have. Uh, I really don't have a good news story, so uh, 
Yeah, we'll call that our two well, we good can, news How story. about giving a shout-out to the Black Hills crew with Dan Hogue? That's a that's a really rough crew. That's a really <laughs> rough crew. From the pictures, it looks like Euler brought out two uh, two sixth graders. <laughs> both you know, talk both about of them taking are, kids fishing. <laughs> uh, both of them are eight inches shorter than his chin. But uh, now nah, we're not going to pick on them too bad. But yeah, I think they got. Uh, we had Euler on last week, and yeah, and he was and he talking said that, about that tournament. Yep, and uh, they ended up in fifth. Uh, so yeah, out of like ninety five boats, was it that like many? That? Like it was nice. over ninety. I know nice. that. So. Yeah, then, uh, you know, I, I know that they had put a Facebook post up, but, you know, Euler had talked about how him and BCAF thought that they kind of had a bite dialed in, and, uh, hey, they were able to put it together, so hats off to them. Yeah. So, all right, guys, uh, with that, uh, we'll call uh, the conclusion of Episode 174. We'll see you next week on Episode 175. Later. Later.